This week on the latest episode of The Big Show, big week in entertainment, at least for the show. We will have an exclusive from Tyler Perry on today's show, as well as reviews coming up a little later on of Charles's favorite film of the year, Madam Web, as well as Players. We'll have all that and more on the latest episode. Episode. Episode, <laughs> excuse me, of the big show. Keeping it real with Film Gordon. Let's go. Experience life through the eyes of a true film addict. Keeping it real with Film Gordon. Welcome to the latest episode of Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. I am Tim Gordon. I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, what can I say about Charles Kirkland Jr., man? This this dude, man, every week is here. He's he's coherent. He is, he brings a level of, of, of humor to the show. Charles, how you doing, man? Wow, it seems like I'm awake every time I come here. It's, yeah, that's it's, the best compliment you can give me. I'm, I'm awake. <laughs> What's going on, man? I'm here. I'm here. Hey, man, another week, man. We're here doing what we're doing, man. We got a, we have a nice show today, and I promise you it will be entertaining because uh, it will be based on my experiences, which are always entertaining. Always entertaining. You know, and, but if I do start snoring, just nudge me. You know, you know what's really funny, and I don't know if Shane ever picks this up, man. You know, when I tell these stories, they have a, a, a theatrical quality to them. They're very, it, my life is sort of like a living movie. And I think, I don't think it's actually like a living movie, but in my mind, I see everything as a movie. So it's always funny to me, man, when I'm just having these these experiences. You see me air quoting these experiences. So, yes, Charles, how about you, man? As How's how, your week? As Howard Suber would say, we are experiencing the power of paradox here. So, yeah, ah, all right. So, there you go. Okay. There you go. All right, man. So there's lots of news, man, to cover. Um, you know, and I know, Charles, uh, you want to talk about the the TCM series. And also, I left that out, the opening, uh, The Power of Film. Yes. Yes. Nice review. I saw it this morning, man. You like that. So, all these reviews and that we all of the, the films and shows that we review are all on the filmgordon.com, which I must admit, uh, it, it has nothing to do with the fact that yours truly is the guy who administers all this stuff. But it's a good looking site. <laughs> Shane, would you say would you say the film Gordon is a good looking site? Yeah, he's nodding. He's nodding. I'm just saying. I, mean, I think you paid him to say that. <laughs> Do you think it's a good-looking site? Do you think it's a good representation I of think, your work? I think it's a wonderful representation of my work when it gets updated. Which? Which is all the time. Which is all the time. <laughs> That's why I'm like, oh, you, you trying to make it look like. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to throw some shade to see what would happen. But Tim's like, oh, it's all that the time, ain't work man. because I'm on the site every, every day. day three or four times a day. We put, we put about uh, uh, close to 10 reviews of you. So, so the fact, yeah. so watch this. So the fact that you had to give me multiple reviews and they all ended up there immediately just shows you we on it, bro. Yeah, I mean, I finally finished my my uh, uh, um, what's the festival coverage? Sundance, Sundance, and Slam Dance. So that was it. I, I, that was that. That's all of the coverage we getting from you. Yeah, I mean, I gave you twenty films. 
Okay. Right. Yeah, I did. Yeah, say nothing. Uh, for those of you at home, if you go to the film Gordon right now and go through the Sundance 24 page, you will notice that there are not 20 reviews there. But thank you, Charles, for giving a definitive number <laughs> that we know you didn't do. I, okay. All right. There's it, not 20 reviews there. Shane, can you? Well, never mind. I was going to say Shane. Shane can actually go and tell you exactly how many Charles Kirkland reviews they are. But there are a lot of Charles okay. Kirkland reviews there. there. Should be twenty. Well, if not, then I'll go back and I'll find uh, the ones that I didn't give you and send them uh, to you. Uh, they ain't twenty, bro. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they're not twenty. But yes, there's a lot. But so let's let's jump into it, man. Um, we plus, plus some slam dance reviews. You did. You did some some wonderful slam dance work. So the fact that you were able to seamlessly work between both festivals that were literally right next to each other, you were able to make it work, man. So you had a good year. It was fun. It was. All right, man. So here we go, man. Um, early this week, I was in Atlanta for uh, Tyler Perry's, the you know, the preview of Tyler Perry's upcoming film, which comes out the 23rd of February, mm. called Mia Culpa. Okay. Mia Culpa, of course, I'm not going to review it today because it doesn't come out till next, till week, next week, so I'm so, just yeah. giving context. Hopefully by that time I'll get to see it as well and we you, can talk you about should, it. You should, you yeah. should. Uh, the film, of course, is written, directed, and produced by Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. Stars Kelly Rowland along with Moonlight's Travante Rhodes. Mm. All right? Okay. And uh, so I show up, and, you know, if you listen to this show, it's not a mystery. You guys know how I feel about Mr. Perry's work. Now, I respect Tyler Perry, great philanthropist, wonderful businessman. <laughs> and then there are these films, right? And so I've, I've all, I, and I've never shied away from the fact that, you know, I'm a critic, right? You're a critic, Charles. You're, you have you have a unique voice about the work that not just Tyler Perry, but any every, filmmaker, every, right? every film, every, every film, film, right? I so I go in and I'm there, and you know we show up for the screening, and lo and behold, you know that we have one of our colleagues who's introducing the film to the public, and all of a sudden. Tyler Perry, Kelly Rowland, and Trevante Rhodes come in from the back. You know, oh, ho, ho, we're here. And everybody goes crazy. Woo! And I was like, yeah, I sort of knew we were in Atlanta. It was, it was a, <laughs> a, a huge possibility that this would happen. Right, right. <laughs> that, right. Was, that was me, right? So I just kind of sat there and was like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And well, let me say this before go you go any further. Go ahead. I just want to let you all know that Tim Gordon went down to Atlanta. We had prayed him up. I, I, I made sure <laughs> <Jay> because, <did. laughs> and it wasn't just you. It was everybody I knew prayed me up because they was like, man, yeah, Tim has talked badly about Tyler Perry. We were afraid he may not come back from Atlanta. So wow, we said, okay, bro. we're gonna send you down there, powered up, brother. Yes. You're gonna, you're gonna be all right. Yes. So I'm. I get to Atlanta. So we watched the movie. Crowd, of course, hometown crowd. They love the movie, man. You know, erotic thriller. Um, I will share my thoughts on the erotic thriller in the review next week. Next week. So next morning, I get up. There are the interviews. I show up. <laughs> I have I have my breakfast. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm now now I'm a smidge nervous because I usually don't get nervous. To talk to people. I'm talking about after all this time. Yeah, yeah. I was nervous because I was like, 
Please, Lord, don't let any of my Perry bias leak into the Perry interview and it just goes bad. I was like, nah, because I was I was I was trying to stay focused. I was like, happy thoughts. Happy feelings, as, as Frankie Beverly and Maze would say. Happy feelings. Please let, <laughs> please let Tyler be cordial and, and to, towards me. <laughs> right. So, so Shane would love this part. So the first interview I had, so we were the first group. Right. Right. So the first interview, I was the first person to interview Kelly Rowland. Travante Rhodes, right? Cool. All right. And I walk in the door, and there's, a, you know, if you've done these junkets, Charles knows I what have, I'm talking about. There's the timekeeper there that's like, I'm going to give you these cues, right? You know, two minutes, one minute. <laughs> Watch this. The timekeeper never gave a cue. What? So needless to say, uh, <laughs> I got I got more time with those two than everybody because I was like I was like you're not gonna say nothing. Uh, <laughs> I bet she so, was on it for the next group though. <laughs> now now that's the good news. The, here's the here's the interesting news. Um, Kelly Rowland is great. Okay. I was instructed beforehand. Uh, no Destiny Child's questions. No. No truly. No, no questions about Jay Z in the elevator. No. <laughs> no. Nothing that has to do with Beyonce. You have mm. to ask Kelly all the questions about the movie, right? I said, okay, okay, cool. Uh, Travante Rhodes. I'm like, cool. So I sit down, and I don't even go to Kelly Rowland immediately. I go straight to Travante Rhodes. And Javante Rhodes, I will just be very nice and say, is a, a very handsome brother of limited words. Oh. Because thank God they paired them two together because oh. if I had five minutes with Javante oh, Rhodes, those are always I would have had to ask Javante Rhodes 25 questions to get five minutes of content. Wow. I was like, uh... Talk to me about the chemistry. I mean, you can watch the. You can watch the. It's it's on our site. Okay, okay. Trante, uh, what's up with the chemistry <laughs> between you and Kelly? So Kelly, oh, it, so it was Kelly, good. no, no, hold on. So Kelly it. gives an answer that's about forty-five <laughs> seconds to a minute long, right? And then I look at Javante and go, "And what do you think, Javante?" And he goes, "Yeah, man, uh, she said it all, man. You know what she said?" I said, "And <laughs> Charles, look, and." <laughs> <laughs> so then I said, okay, fine. Let me try it a different way. I said, uh, when you got the script, you know, what did you draw upon to play this painter, this character? And he goes, yeah. that's all Trevante, brother, 34 years. I was like, okay. Uh, oh, so Trevante was a painter and he just was playing. <laughs> Shane, I put my hands, look, look, I literally had my hands in the air like this, like, I got nothing. I'm going back to Kelly. <laughs> so so that was the crux of that interview, which okay. was fun. So then they said, uh, you got Tyler. I was like, all right, bet. In the hallway, said a little prayer, went inside. My brother was putting some lotion on his hands, getting ready. I shook his hand, sat down. And he said to me twice, he was like, because I had on the, the black Stan Smiths, you know, the ones, the multicolor ones I yeah, wore. Yeah, he yeah. was like, man, those are fire. What are those? I was like, hey, man, these some nice, these some Adidas, man. He was like, oh, snap, those are hot. I was like, yeah, them stands. I showed him back. He was like, dang. <laughs> so we go into the interview, and I'm relaxed because, I mean, you know. Were those the same ones you got cleaned at the Netflix show? They are. <laughs> they are. If, and Charles is referring, if you guys don't remember the story, <laughs> back in uh, in early December, we went to a, a junket, and they had a a, a 
couple of guys that would clean the sneakers. And Tim bought, and Tim had three pair with him, two upstairs, one on. I was like, stay right here. I'll be right back. Pause. I'll be right. I'll be right back. <laughs> I got all my sneakers clean. <laughs> so, yes, those were the ones that were clean. Paid off. So, needless to say, um, Shane, you ready? So, in the middle of the interview, I was thinking, what would be a good question? And this is what I came up with. Go, Shane. And the connection, yeah. So, over the course of your career, you've done so many different genres. And I was thinking, I'm like, what have I ever, I have never seen you do. Have you ever been interested in doing a biopic of anybody or any individual? Yeah, Little Richard. Oh, yeah, Little yeah. Richard's story. I just watched his doc and I was floored. Oh, it was great. His, his, his story would be incredible. So Little Richard with uh, with Billy Porter playing him might be something I'd be very interested in. You're the first person I've said that to. Well, good. We got the yeah. scoop. Yeah, I haven't, <laughs> said, I haven't said it to a soul. Not yeah. one person, yeah. So yeah. you have been thinking about that. For sure, for sure. I mean, it, it, this, but it had to be somebody who spoke to me in so, on so many levels. And I can relate to so much of his story and, and his struggle and his pain and his, his the, 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 the things that he had to deal with coming up in the South. It's really, really powerful story. Yeah. So last. All right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Scoop of the century right there. Yeah, yeah, Now, here's the funny part. When he said it, I immediately go in my head, that's brilliant casting. No kidding. Billy Porter. Billy Porter as Little Richard. I oh mean, my gosh. He, 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 the thing about Billy Porter that's interesting, and, and I, I was like, dang, Tyler, you really have put some thought into this. Billy Porter can sing. Yes. Billy Porter has the swag, right? Because Little Richard Absolutely. is all swag. Absolutely. Right? If you don't, like Leon, they did a television movie years ago, like in the 90s, Little Richard story. Now, no disrespect to Leon. Leon is a wonderful actor. Leon he doesn't have the, the flair. He's Richard. not as flamboyant as he needs to be to be Little Richard. Billy Porter? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Billy, and watch this. And I'm thinking about, and I was having this conversation with Wilson Morales, who literally kind of like took the story and then put it on his site, and they went crazy on his site. Oh, yeah. So, like, 70 comments, everybody going back and forth. Oh, man, I don't know. I'm like, y'all are tripping. Billy Porter. Excellent. Would kill that, and you know Billy Porter is a, is is an Oscar away from being an EGOT, right? He's already got an yeah. Emmy, a yeah. Grammy, and a Tony, right? Dude can act. I think that would be fantastic. My only concern, and I'm a, I'm a shut go up ahead, in a second. Go ahead, go ahead. My only concern would be uh, Tyler Perry writing it. Like I believe Tyler Perry could direct it. Mm-hmm. I would need somebody to come in and write that story. Well, you know, much like the uh, Bob Marley story that we have coming out, there would have to be some familial influence on the on the film oh, too. So, God. Uh, I mean, because again, we're dealing with a discography that's gigantic. I know, I know. I know. and so you're going to have to get the license. And so, I'm sure that this would not be a project that Tyler would be able to take on by himself completely. So, hopefully, I mean, you know, that uh, like you said, though. I was just thinking, if if done correctly, 
this could be the O for uh, for Billy Porter in the in the oh, EGOT. I mean, absolutely. because this this is just I mean, talk about a role that he's born to play. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He I could mean, crush I this. saw that and was like, come on, man. Like, and for people out there who were like, nah, say it ain't so. Why would I'm like, no, Billy Porter's perfect. <laughs> I don't know. Perfect. They are tripping. You, you know what I would do though? Seriously, if if you wanted to do Billy Porter, or if you wanted to cast Billy Porter in that. You'd have to get like, I mean, I know what's the young lady's name, uh, Mia Neal, who oh. got an Oscar, who's who's based out of New York, who is uh, going to be a part of our festival, by the way, Light Rail Film Fest, mm-hmm. uh, won an Oscar uh, for hair and makeup for doing Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Right. You would need to get somebody of the highest degree that can do hair and makeup because you want. The hair, and because the hair, Little Richard's hairstyle. Right, right. Are, it, it's, you got to crush that. And then the other part would be, and I Costuming. hate to, and costume, and I'm yeah. thinking Ruthie Carter. Like, Ruthie. if you got Ruthie Carter and you got, I don't know if it's me and Neil or if you got somebody else who was a critically acclaimed makeup and hairstylist person, that's half the battle right there. Because oh, you yeah. got to get, you need somebody who has the flair, and then you have somebody who's got the wardrobe and the hair. <laughs> and then, much like Jamie Foxx with Ray, Ray yeah. Charles, yeah. Yeah. I think Billy Porter could sing a lot of the stuff that you need without having to to fill in the voice. And this is one of those type of performances that Oscar loves. I mean, you talk about Jamie Foxx, you talk about Rami Malek. You, I mean, yeah. look, look. I mean, uh, what's his face, uh, Taron Egerton, who did uh, Elton John. Right. This is what they like, and right. I mean, you do it right. It's it's gold. It's gold. Now, so let me let me stick a pin in this, and then I'm going to go to the other extreme because I heard you talk about the Bob Marley mm-hmm. film, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yesterday I had an opportunity. Well, actually, the same day I did the Tyler Perry interviews. I did an interview with Ronaldo Marcus Green. Right. How'd that work out for you? It didn't. <laughs> and, and I'm glad Charles did gave me the setup. So let me explain. Well, how this happened, right? Because I actually sent a note to the studio this morning and they wrote me back. You know, we get it. We understand. So as a rule, 99% of the time, right, if you're doing a Zoom a interview, interview or a, like, yeah. like if you're doing an interview, they record the interview and they give it back to you. So you are accustomed to showing up, you know, making sure you're there doing what you're doing. Now, in the extreme case, when they go, you send us a Zoom link. It's on you to set everything up, and then you got to hit record. And guess who didn't hit record? <laughs> uh, I would say that would have to be Tim Gordon. And and for the third time in my life, I did what I call a fire interview, which nobody With will ever no hear. Recording, which no, there's no documentation that ever existed. So this now adds on to. The time I interviewed Chadwick Boseman mm-hmm. for 42, walked out the room after 20 minutes, hit my player, and was nothing there. Nothing. It was like, come on, man. I mean, but I mean, honestly, though, when you said this is what happened to you, I, I, I'll confess. I don't think that there's one person in the industry that that has not happened to. I've, I've had it happen to me one time. I'm sitting in. You too? I'm sitting in. Shane said it's never happened. Well, see, I'm sitting in the hotel and I'm interviewing. I believe it was. I can't remember who it was. And I'm sitting there and it's a fabulous conversation. And after it's over, I, I come out the room and. My recorder hasn't real. Uh, I, I turned it on, 
but I didn't press play or record. So, I mean, it missed everything. I'm sure that almost everybody working in as we do in this industry has a, a gaffe like that. But yeah, it's it, you know it's just the way it goes. Now the other time it happened. Now, but you said it's three times for you. Oh, right? I was gonna yeah. say, well, t- well, Ronaldo Marcus Green is three, but the second time it happened was Octavia Spencer, Ooh. where I did an interview. It was great. See, I see, I see a thing going on here. Yeah, it was great. When, whenever you get to like the like the greatest, you you kind of fumble. I mean, I'm I'm sorry. You, you just needed me there to. Help you along. Yeah, I could have helped you. I could have okay. helped you. So, so pretty much, um, <laughs> I was asked this morning, uh, could you recreate that? I was like, nah, that was 12 minutes of gold. So <laughs> essentially, what I, I'll paraphrase a lot of it. So I talked to him and, and explained that, you know, I've pretty much seen all of his, his feature films, you know, starting with Monsters and Men, King Richard, and now this film. And the important question I asked, because I, I was just interested, I said, you know, Scorsese tried to make a Marley film, um, tried to make a Marley film back in 2015 and couldn't get all the Marleys on board, right? You did get the Marleys on board. So I said, what was the process? I said, did you come in and like uh, there was already a screenplay that was there or did you come in and, you know, it, the family was involved? And he was like, man, let's keep it real, man. You know, the family was, was there. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, I think part of uh, uh, what I got out of it, out of his answer, without him actually physically say, or verbally articulating it. I object. Was it? No, 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 no. say your honor. No, I'm saying this is what I got out of it. This is my interpretation. Okay, okay. Uh, they not going to let their dad just be out there butt naked. So Because I mean, we keep, everybody said the same thing, that Bob Marley was a rebel. And I even oh, yeah. said it. I was oh, like, yeah. I, I need there to be more, more of the rebel, soul rebel of Bob Marley. And the film doesn't give you a lot of nope. that. Now, people who go, who aren't film critics, I've been getting texts back from people who are telling me, man, this movie is good, man. You know, I like it. And I'm like, I'm not mad at you, right? You know, I, mean, I think, I think it, the movie it, it is, is good. a good movie. It's just not a great movie. It, it had the potential to be something better than what it is. Correct. And uh, and if you just want a little light story about Bob Marley, happy happy, happy Valentine's Day. Right. Enjoy. Right. And then and then the other part I asked him, I, I, well, the statement I made to him was, I said, you know, the fact that you had the Marley family stamp on this. The music, you were able to license all the music. The music is the secret sauce of the film. And he said, you're absolutely right. You don't even make this movie if you don't have you all the, the rights music. to Bob's music, right? Because right? nobody's coming in singing Bob Marley, right? So what I got out of it, and, and when I said it was a 12-minute interview, I was supposed to have 10, but when they, they said you got a minute to go, I snuck one more question in, which Ronaldo— That's always the best. Yeah, yeah, that's—, that's <laughs> Shane, it's great when you do that. <laughs> You're like, you got a minute to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. You hit, hit the big question. One Bam. more question. Oh. <laughs> so it was you know, a great like how interview. I do on the show whenever we're getting ready to get close up and I throw something That's out not there. great. <laughs> you see Shane's face. That's not great. But, but no, but I, I thought that it, that it sort of confirmed uh, what I thought. And the fact that yeah. Terrence Winter who had written uh, The Sopranos and Boardwalk Empire. He, Zach Balin, that they brought back from uh, King Richard, along with Ronaldo Marcus Green, all of them, several of them as a group, wrote the script. Um, You could see, and he explained, because I asked him, I said, you know, 
There, what do you say to people? Because I know Bob's story. I said his heyday or his peak period is 1970 to about 1980, right? Right. And he said they started off with that screenplay, and that screenplay was like Malcolm X long. It was like three, three twenty-three and a half hours, right? Okay. So Which we couldn't make that movie because Paramount didn't really believe in a three-hour Bob Marley. They, they can give you a 145 Bob Marley, but they weren't going to give you a three-plus-hour Come Bob on. Marley. I'm just saying, man. I, come on, bro. I hear you, but come on. Yeah, man. So, yeah, man. So, th- so those were those were my interesting takeaways from, you know, the, the, the creative team behind Mia Culpa and the creative team behind... Um, uh, Bob Marley, One Love, even though uh, the publicists were not happy with me. Like, I ain't like your review. I'm like, man, what do you want from me? Like, this is a subject that, like, I'm, I'm saying this I is mean, a person I, who I have intimate uh, knowledge of. I he's know top this guy. three on your list he of all time. He literally is number three. <laughs> <laughs> he literally is. Hold on a second. Is he number three or is he number two? I think he's number two. No, Bob Marley is number two because Stevie Wonder's one, Bob Marley, and then Prince. Prince. Yeah, he's number two. So this is a guy whose music... I was telling somebody, I said I have like five Marley books at my house. Five Marley, different coffee table books of this dude. Soul Rebel, uh, Marley the Man in his music. I'm like, dude, this is my artist right here. I've been waiting all my life for a Bob Marley biopic. And to be fair, I don't think you panned the film. I, I think, didn't pan I, it. I think you gave it a, a, what, I gave it, a B I gave minus. It a, I gave it a, a B. Plus? I think I gave it a C plus. And, and that's a great grade. I mean, I mean, that's it's not C the plus. best grade. C plus is not a great grade. <laughs> C plus. C plus tells me that, and, and I'll and I'll repeat just a snippet. My issue with the film is that I felt, and you even said it. This is the f- one of the few times that you wish you had more of the subject instead right. of less, right. right? And the period of 76 to 78 with some flashbacks and then maybe one scene forward, you know, the, with the, all of the script we, at the, at the right. beginning and at the end, I was like, it's a good story, but, you know, I want somebody else to make another Bob Marley movie that that is a comprehensive... Like, I wish there was a studio out there... Like, like, so for an example, if Martin Scorsese made made huh. Bob Marley, how long would that movie be? Oh, it'd have been three and a half hours. <laughs> they would, they would have done the, a Bob And the Bob studios Marley. would have approved it three and a half hours. Well, 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 well one or two studios <laughs> would have approved it because Martin Scorsese is Martin Scorsese, man. You know that dude. Martin does not make short movies, no, man. No. Well, well, he hasn't made one in 30 years that was short. Like, now, <laughs> Scorsese's on, like, man, I'm 80-plus, man. You get what you get. You you take these three and a half hours and love it. I say he's still cranking out <laughs> three and a half hour movies. <laughs> like, I remember when he made a movie called Silence. And I remember oh, man. that movie was so slow. I remember going up to go to the bathroom. I was looking at my watch. I was like, man, when is this movie going in? That was came, not one of my favorite Scorsese's. And it was still going. And it was still going. That, that was not... Vintage Scorsese. I mean, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> so, so I say all that to say, man, it was an interesting week, man. So, Charles, here we are, twenty-seven minutes after the hour, man. You've heard my story. So, any feedback before we move on 
on the Tyler Perry stuff because that's huge and people at home and then the last couple of days have been going back and forth about, you know, the casting or, or even if Tyler Perry should do it or even if we need a movie about Little Richard. I'm like, yeah. Absolutely. What are you talking like, about? Little Richard they, is, I is mean, amazing. We, I mean, if anyone has seen the Little Richard documentary that came out last Lisa year. Cortez's doc- Lisa Cortez's uh, There is a lot of information that people don't know about Little Richard or take for granted about Little Richard. So I I believe that we definitely need a biopic about Little Richard, and I think it'd be an interesting endeavor. But I also want to say what what we're talking about is just a snippet of the conversation that you had with Tyler Perry. And so for the full conversation, please go to our website, thefilmgordon.com. Go down and look at Mea Culpa and check out the full interview that that uh, Tim does with Tyler Perry. It's It's really very good. You it's know. surprisingly good for the fact that <laughs> it's Tim. It, you know, the, the Eagles did an album called "When Hell Freezes Over," <laughs> and and uh, somebody said that he would never, ever want to sit down with Tyler Perry. And for this to happen, I, I want y'all to recognize that this really actually happened. Go to see the, on the website so that we can say, "Wow." We let can me, all say let, me, let me provide together. some context because uh, <laughs> no, Charles is right. Uh, there was a time, and I think I've told this story on the air, and I'll tell it again. Uh, when Perry produced and directed and wrote for Color Girls, I got invited to that junket, and they had me in a room with like fourteen other people, so it was a round table. And I promise you, and I never forget but when they invited me, my good friend Wilson Morales <laughs> sent me an email because I had written up like some really snarky social media posts. And he was like, dude, you got to be careful, man, you know, because they be reading the stuff you're writing. So they knew going in oh, yeah. what my feelings were about Tyler Perry's work, right? So I'm sitting in the room around the table, and every time I go to ask a question, I got I got talked over. So it was like not I believe and I can't prove this, but I believe when they went into the room, they was like, if that dude tries to say something, put the block on shut him. Shut him down. Shut him, oh, shut him down. Bro. So I never got a question. I was in there for 20 minutes. I was like, uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, uh, nothing. I couldn't get one question out. And I didn't even bother to remind him of that because he wouldn't remember that. So I yes, bet he did. I don't know, but anyway, man, <laughs> it was it was it was uh, a pleasure to talk to uh, Tyler Perry. Mia Culpa is going to be here next week. I'll wait for Charles to say, "Man, this ain't the real Tim Gordon." <laughs> <laughs> what have, where have you done with Tim Gordon? This is his doppelganger. Hey, man, I mean, look, look, and I, I'm not even going to say it, man. I'll, I'll wait for next you week. to come back, and I'm think they sent the wrong one back. <laughs> they did not send the wrong one back, you fool. <laughs> I'm just at a different place professionally. Um, there were colleagues that were there who came out crying in the interviews. I'm not saying any names. I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, people who are overwhelmed. And I, I went in there, man. I, I just literally have a conversation, man. If you can't have a conversation with Shane or, or you guys for like five minutes, man. You got to get your film critic game up, bro. Okay. Oh, All right. There you go. Charles, I'm trying to get Charles there. I want you walking in the room, Charles, just having a conversation. I have no problem with meeting with Tyler Perry. 
I ain't talking about Tyler Perry. I uh, watched some Charles, some Charles interviews. Charles would say something like, "Well, never mind. I'm not gonna clown you." Please don't. <laughs> Shane, Charles would be like, "No," and then I call him up later on and go, "Did Come you on. really ask him that?" <laughs> like, heck, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 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 seriously though, these interviews, man, are just repetition. That's why I always tell you, the more of them you do, the more comfortable you become. Right. It's, just, it's just, it's pretty simple. Well, you know, I think I'm in a different place in my life, too, having done all these Filmmaker of the Month interviews and oh, all yeah. these other things. So I, I, I'm getting oh, yeah. into the rhythm of how to yes. actually to be professional and incredible. Yeah, see, you thought, you thought that was a punishment. <laughs> that was preparation, brother. <laughs> that was preparation. All right, Charles, so we're going to segue out of this one, man. Uh, TCM uh, has a six-part series. I think it's called "The Power of Film." The Power of Film. Let us let the audience know about the Power of Film. Now, I love TCM. Now, is this something that I have to go on TCM to watch, or can I find this anywhere else outside of TCM? It's exclusive to TCM, okay. so you have to go on TCM to watch it. Um, they've been running this six-part series for uh, since the end of January, and it just ended. Every Thursday from the end of January just ended last week. Got it. Um, and each episode, uh, the the host, his name is Howard Suber. He's a professor from UCLA. Uh, he's been teaching classes at UCLA for 50 plus years. Wow. On screenwriting and the power of film. And he has released a book called The Power of Film. And now TCM has worked with him to make this uh, a, a series. Um, and so, like I said, every time, every episode, it starts with, I mean, he'll, he'll say, well, we're going to talk about today. I talked about the power of paradox as one of the episodes. Mm -hmm. He talks about character development. He talks about heroes versus villains. He talks mm -hmm. about, um, staging and all these things he does in e each one of his segments. And he sits down and he goes through and <laughs> for the first episode, he started with, the Godfather. <laughs> and, and he's talking, and his whole purpose is, what what is it about movies that we love so much? What makes them classic? What makes them memorable? And he breaks down the, the scenes from The Godfather that make you, it's unforgettable to you. And I'm like, I wonder if Tim Gordon understands what, what how he's been manipulated to believe that yes. The Godfather <laughs> is the do. greatest film of all time. And and he, it's not that it's not one of the greatest films. He he acknowledges that, but he's like there's a formula that happens through all these films that yeah. make you uh, accept it and uh just believe that it's these things are unforgettable. So so wait a minute, but let me stick a pin in that cuz I'm okay. coming back to you. I rewatched Boys in the Hood yesterday, mm -hmm. right? And I put I put a post up. Man, let me tell you something, man. That movie, still that third act where Cuba Gooden <laughs> Jr. as Trey and Doughboy is I mean Ice Cube is Doughboy when he's sitting on the couch. I mean sitting on the porch after the the night you know they avenge Ricky's killer, right? right. And in that scene where he looks at him. You know, you got to remember, that was Ice Cube's first movie. Right. This is John Singleton's first screenplay. Right. This is John Singleton's first crack as a director. Yeah. In this scene, and I wish I would have, if I'd have known you were going here, I'd have had Shane cue this up as well. They, he comes across the street, 
And it's early in the morning, man. He's still in the fog. Yeah. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. You know, I watched the news this morning looking for something about my brother. And they talking about all this stuff happening in foreign lands, but they're not mentioning, right. you know, my brother. My brother's gone, right? Cuba Gooden Jr. shook, sits there, and he, he looks at him, and he just nods and listens. And at the end, you know, you get that line, that famous line. You know, man, either they don't know, they don't show, or they don't care what's going on in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> no, you laughing, but I'm saying it's a killer line, right? Yeah, yeah. So he goes, I ain't even got no brother, man. And and Cuba's Cuba looking at him, and he goes, I ain't got no mama either, man. She loved that fool more than she loved me. I remember this monologue. Wow, Look, yeah. He's like, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. you know, he said, but it don't matter, though. You know, one day somebody will probably smoke me. But you know what they say. We all got to go sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm watching the scene, and I'm like, this is his first movie, right? He gets up to go, and he goes, and Cuba Gooding Jr. goes, yo, doe, you still got one brother left. Mm -hmm. They hug. He walks across the street, and this score plays. You hear, <laughs> and he said, and the, and the, the next day, the title card Doe comes Boy across. Saw his brother buried. <laughs> da, na, na. Mm. Two mm. weeks later, he was murdered. I'm like, yo! I'm sitting there wiping tears away. I've watched Boys in the Hood over and over for years. I don't know why that scene hits me. Which goes back to what you're saying. Now continue with the power of <laughs> popular and memorable. That's what Woo. that's what the, the first episode is about. You have to have these scenes that are iconic and with dialogue that relates and is just powerful. And 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 and, and that's what the whole first episode is about. And he just goes. Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> and he just goes and, and here's the best thing about it it's on TCM right and you know TCM his library is extensive yeah so he go, he has the ability to go from film to film to film to film to film and he's showing you examples here 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 of all the things that he's talking about and make that make and movies that you know movies that you love some that you may not have seen but still know about and it's just an incredible series. This is like the the most powerful film appreciation uh, 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 series. series that I've Damn. ever seen in my life. Right. And uh, just because, I mean, TCM has had a history of where they've done film education. I mean, I talk about how the, their hosts in between movies just give you all kinds of knowledge. Robert Osborne, Robert Osborne. Osborne Ben Mankiewicz. Yeah. Yeah, and, man. And, and, and so this is the penultimate episode of education that uh, uh, TCM has done. I think this is the most powerful, most instructive series you could watch. If you, When you watch it, after you finish watching it, you feel like you could be a screenwriter because he's just giving you everything that you need to make a, a powerful film. And, and I think it's the most impressive thing I've ever seen. I feel so much more enriched after having watched it. And so I just say, I, I give it an A+. You, people need to see this mm -hmm. so they understand not just what films are about, but why they are the way they are. Well, let me, let, I, and I've shared this story. I'm glad that Charles is, is doing this because I shared this story. There was a period, maybe about 
12 or 13 years ago when I was literally sitting home out of work for three years. <laughs> it's a true story. And I got into this business in the early 90s. And I tell people, young people who want to be film critics, that you got to watch a lot of movies. And you just you have to watch more than just contemporary films. you got to go yeah. back to the root of films, right. which are films from the beginning of cinema, you know, anything you find. And a lot of that is in the TCM library. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of my favorite activities, and I remember one summer where I, I thought I got my Ph.D. in film, <laughs> was that I would watch Turner Classic movies every day. And it's when they got to the month of August, is they would do some under the stars. Right. So some under the stars, if you're every not familiar, have- is every day for, for the month of August, they feature one star a day and they will show 24 hours of that one star's films. So I remember that was a summer that I was into to Jean, Jeannie Jones or Jean Jones, uh, Humphrey Bogart. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you, so you would watch all these films and then you'd hear these stories, as you said in between, Robert Osborne would explain <laughs> to you, which I never forgot that uh, back in the in the in the golden era of Hollywood in the in the 30s and early 40s, it was a studio system, right? right? right. So Warner Brothers, who was famous as the gangster studio, <laughs> they had, of course, uh, James Cagney. They had Edward G. Robinson. Mm-hmm. They had George Raft. They had Humphrey Bogart, right? right? All under contract. And the way it would work is that, like, they would normally offer stuff to, like, Edward G. Robinson first, right? If he turned it down, they'd be like, okay, well, we got George, George Raft. Raft. <laughs> and then if George Raft turned it down, it was bogey, Right. So you've heard me tell a story. Yeah, go ahead. You've heard me tell a story. So Bogart became a superstar because George Raft turned three screenplays down in a row, and Bogey took them all and killed them, (laughs) and they became iconic. And you're going at home, what three screenplays did he turn down? Uh, The The Treasures of Sierra Madre. The Big Sleep. No, 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 no. No. Uh, The Maltese Falcon. Falcon, that's right. And then Casablanca. Casablanca. And Bogey nailed all three of those. And I'm looking at George Raff like, bruh, who's your agent? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Wow. I mean, because a lot of people now be like, George Raff, who's that? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, George Raff. Now, George Raff and Bogey did do a film together. I think neither couple I watched. I think one is called Manpower, if I'm not correct. Maybe. I'm not sure. I've seen that, too. I'm telling you, you know, I spent a lot of time watching movies, man. So (laughs) this is not just me just sitting here, like, cue carding my way through a show. I'm like, dude, this is film is in my DNA. The, the model of my site is uh, a year in the life of a true film addict, man. I'm that dude when it comes to talking about these films, man, because I've seen them. And, and the worst thing for me is, I mean, I've I've always been a big fan of TCM, and now I don't have cable anymore, and I don't get to watch TCM like I used to. Don't, 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 don't. Never mind. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> So, so it's say, always been Jay, look. Mm. It's always been a problem that when we go like on vacation somewhere right. and they have TCM on, that my wife has got to pry me away from watching TCM. Uh, we're on vacation. I'm like, yeah, I am too. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, Turner Classic Movies is amazing. I will definitely check that out because um, you know how, how much of a film nerd I am. So. Oh, you'll love it. You'll love it. The first episode is, like I said, it's called. Um, um, 
power, uh, popular and memorable. Then the second episode is about trapped and how uh, characters in the, in each film has to have a moment mm-hmm. when they are trapped. Mm-hmm. Then character relationships about how the relationships, like you talk about Doughboy, and, mm-hmm. and I mean. <laughs> 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 I love uh, this is gonna be a great segue keep, keep going like I talk about Doughboy then heroes and villains uh, the power of paradox and the last one is love and meaning and it, I mean love and meaning you will cry watching that one because uh, he, he breaks down yeah well yeah. speaking of crying this is a great time for a segue because we have two movies to review this Check week out the power of film. and I'm gonna throw out and I'm gonna throw this one out because I because you just talked about the power of film we need to talk about the power of Madam Web. Madam Web. Madam Web is a uh, a superhero film based in the Marvel Cinematic. Uh, well, it actually is not in the universe, but it's based on Marvel Comics, featuring the character of the same name. Uh, this is a film that stars Dakota Johnson in the title role, alongside Sidney Sweeney, Celeste O'Connor, Isabella Merced. Tahar Rahim, uh, Mike Epps, Emma Roberts, and Adam Scott. And in the film, Cassie Webb, who was played by Johnson, confronts her past while trying to save three young women and their futures from Ezekiel Sims, played by Rahim. Charles Kirkland, talk to, me, talk to us about Madam Webb. I didn't see this. I was out of town when they had the screening. You were, you were glad-handing. Tyler Perry at the time when this was being dropped, and I was, and, <laughs> and you know the, I've always been semi jealous of when you get to go on these things. Um, have, being able to watch this movie made me even more jealous that I was not in <laughs> Atlanta with you watching this film. Sorry, Shane, you, you're not gonna like this, but Madam Web is just the worst. We abs- wait, 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 wait. Before you get to it being the worst, man. You got to talk to us and tell I, us no, what no, this look, is about. Look, okay, look, look. Madam Web in the comics is a, a, an older woman. They've kind of retconned her to be young now, but like Dakota Johnson. But she was an older woman who could read the future and told Peter Parker about things about oh. uh, how he could f- go, which ways he could go and help his spider sense and all that kind of stuff. Oh. So she was kind of the source of all that stuff. She was like the Oracle. Right, exactly. Okay. And so... Um, an Oracle is Dakota Johnson? Yeah. Dak- Dakota Johnson is an, is the Oracle in here. And so it, we're, we're getting the origin story <laughs> of Madam Web uh-huh. here. And um, <sighs> maybe she's going to be an older woman like in Madam Web no, 3. No. No? Okay. I, Lord help us. <laughs> because, as, I mean, Ezekiel Sims is the bad guy in the in the film. But in the comics, Ezekiel Sims works for Madam, works, works with Madam Web and is actually a, a good guy. So the whole fact that they've taken this character and made him evil and given him these machinations against the spider society, the spider totems that we're talking about in, in the spider woman and, the, and, you know, all these people... It's, it's just upsetting on on the first level. And that's just for Excuse a me. comic geek like me. Excuse me, I just have a question. Yes. What this sounds like is uh, James Samuels, who always will take characters or real people and then have them doing stuff like in The Heart of They Fall or The Book of Clarence. Are you saying it's sort of like that kind of vibe? Like you taking you taking these characters? I'm being facetious, of I, I know you are. 
I know you are. <laughs> Go ahead. Like Shane. I love Shane's face. Shane is like, did, did Shane really want to see this movie? Um, I, I can't speak for Shane. Yeah, he said he did. But, but, and you ruined but, it for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ruin it for you, Shane. Wow. I mean, you can go see it if you like, but you're going to wish that you hadn't because there are a lot of things in this movie that even if you're not a comic book uh, nerd like I am, this movie just doesn't make sense on a, on a grand scale. There, there are things that happen. For instance, <clears throat> my girl has a, a car accident. She's stolen a taxi cab. She's had an accident on the road, and then she takes the license plates off of the taxi cab and continues to drive through the city, New York City. How realistic is that? I mean, I mean just I mean, in the movies, anything is possible. Just, I mean, just just on, on a general level of of common See, sense. You're trying to bring a, realism a, a person, into, into a superhero film. If a person is driving a stolen a stolen taxi cab through the uh, and damaged. The, the front end is dented in wow. with no plates through wow. the streets of New York City. It's not going to go to, I don't care what, you, what kind of white privilege you're going to talk about. This just does not happen. It does not happen. Was that Dakota Johnson driving? That was Dakota Johnson driving man, the car. On, man, it's Dakota Johnson. Man. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, of course, nothing ex is explained, especially how Dakota Johnson receives her powers, how she uses these powers. Um, and, I mean, it, it, nothing is good in this film. And, and to the extent that when we were leaving the film, we had a debate, and a very heated debate about what was the worst movie, this one or Morbius. Oh, wow. Um, sir, it is February. It is February, uh, I, and there's uh, a reason uh, why this film is. I uh, tell you this all the time. Now, here's the funny part: the writers of Morbius are also the right two of the writers on this film, and wow. so uh, CJ uh, CJ uh, what's her name the the director of the film uh, S J Clarkson contributed as a writer, but essentially this is written by the same people who wrote Morbius and, and botched that oh. that all together. That's uh, you, you Matt Susano and Burke uh, Sharpless. You notice when you said, when I said it's February, I can, I can show you some movies <laughs> I saw in February. Shane, in 2008, I once had to review a movie. I don't know if you saw this movie. It was called The Hottie and the Naughty. Remember that? Oh my that? God, I do remember that movie. Shane, the high, I'm saying it again. Uh, if you're at home, you can look this movie up, but please, God, avert don't, your don't, eyes and don't, don't go and don't watch, watch it. it. Don't watch Hottie it. Hottie and the Naughty was horrible. It's not even awful. Like, like I heard this film was awful. It's 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 it's, <laughs> it's not even good enough to be on Tubi. That's how bad that movie is. You know, you want to hear something it, funny? I found me, out let, this let, morning. Let me say this one oh, thing ahead. before we finish. Go ahead. You mentioned Mike Epps being in the film. Yeah, Mike Epps is one of the most hilarious actors on in the business. Whenever mm -hmm. you see him on screen, he is just a delight to see. Right. Not in this film. Wow. They found a way to make Mike Epps be the most blandest person on the face of the earth, and just. And and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Mike Epps, super comedian. Wow. Mike Epps is wasted in this film. Okay. All right. So what's your grade, man? Because I want to move on to our next film. Oh, I gave this a D, D, D. Straight a D. Straight D. Gave it the D. I I, I want. <laughs> 
sorry. I did that for shame. <laughs> he gave it a D. I'm sorry, my apologies. <laughs> I was getting ready to say that, but I, I curbed myself. I was like, it's, it's, it's just a straight D. It's just. <laughs> I'm sorry, Shane. I apologize. I'm sorry. Not a curb, a curb D. It's a straight. <laughs> <laughs> See, Shane. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next movie. Because Shane's face is red over there. He's like, man, y'all guys trying to get me fired up in here. All right, so up next from Netflix. Uh, a New York sports writer, Mac, devises successful hookup techniques with her friend Adam and their crew. But when she unexpectedly falls head over heels for one of her targets, they must all learn what it takes to go from simply scoring to playing for keeps. Mm. Yeah, this sounds like something somebody in the marketing department came up with. I mean, it's pretty good. Playing for keeps. Uh, the film, of course, is called Players, and it stars the lovely Gina Rodriguez, Tom Ellis, uh, Liza Cochet, Damon Wayans Jr., Joel Courtney, and Augustus Prue. And Charles, I don't know if you've seen this yet. I know I have, so I will. I have not. I will take this but one. But it is scheduled for viewing because yes. my, my family are big fans of Liza Koshy, so. Okay. And they, as they should be. Uh, this film, I, I'll just cut to the chase, man. This is the story of a group of friends, man, who are all young millennials, and they're out you know, hooking up and scoring, and it's almost like a game of, of they have, like, you know, football teams have plays, they have plays where they're at the bar, we're going to run this play, and we're going to run that play, and you can you can hook up with this one and hook up with that one. Wow. And as, as my good friend, who's really not my good friend, but Al Roker once said, it's all fun and games until somebody loses an eye. <laughs> and in this case, it's all fun and games. And just some feelings get involved. Oh, shucks. And in this case of feelings, uh, you know, it doesn't take a, a genius to understand that when you watch two of these folks interact, that they seem to be closer than everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. But they're still playing the game. Uh -huh. And she meets a guy, a, a Pulitzer Prize winning writer who she falls for. And they, of course, run the game on them. And, of course, the game works. And she's able to hook up. But then they continue seeing each other. And the story sort of evolves of you kind of transitioning from being immature to trying to adult in these relationships. Now, there's really nothing more to this movie than that. <laughs> this is what I call like a film that you can watch on Netflix and, you know, it'll make you feel nice and tingly while you're watching it. And then you'll turn like that. That movie will go off and then you'll put something else on. And you'd be like, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. I did it. It's done. Now, now, the one thing that I will say about so this movie. So, in other words, you hooked up with the film. Is, is that yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. But the, but, but the two leads in this, in this case, Gina Rodriguez and Damon Wayans Jr., Damon Wayans Jr. quietly has now made like two or three of these mm -hmm, that are really, mm -hmm. really good. He did one called Love Guaranteed. Right. I don't know if you remember yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Damon Wayans Jr. as an actor, I could clearly see 
that these movies are preparation for him to do some some stuff that's bigger and better because he clearly has the chops in order to do this. Gina Rodriguez, of course, is Gina Rodriguez. She's been good on network television. She's got another series she's that she's yet. starting in. Yeah, not dead yet. <laughs> yeah. So Gina Rodriguez is pretty good, and I think those the, the reason why this is a watchable film is primarily for the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the film, yeah. He's kind of taking a leave it, man. It's not like we talk in the Godfather, Citizen Kane, or the the power of film here. We're really not. We're talking about like this is like yeah, this is like a film Sunday. This is like like a chocolate shake. You know, something that you eat, you you consume it, and you're like, yeah, it was good. It was 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 good. good. It was good. But players, man, if I had to give it a a, a score, I think I gave it. I want to say I gave it either three or two and a half. Mm. On my letterbox review, mm-hmm. I mean, but I thought it was cute. I mean, it's it's predictable. I've watched enough of these these romantic comedies that you can like, you can kind of telegraph it, and you can see it like a mile away. Like it's one of those stories where everybody in the theater knows, and you're like, oh, yeah. dude, you yeah, ain't yeah. figured this out yet. You, you, I mean, I can I, I know what's gonna happen. You can't figure this out yet. So, but for, yeah, man. you know, for me, that's a, that's that's an easy thing for me. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I see through. Plots all the but, time. But you know what's really funny? You see through plots in that way. I can see through rom-com plots. Rom-com plots aren't even, like, designed to to, to be hidden. No. They're like, like, it's always, like, uh, as a rule, it's always, like, some character who's in search of something. Usually love, because it's a romantic comedy, right? Yeah, yeah. And, like, they never see the love coming. <laughs> Everybody else, Shane and it, Shane is sitting there with his people, and they see the love coming, like in Brown Sugar. Oh, yeah. Like, how do you not see the love coming in Brown Sugar? How do you not see the love coming in Notting Hill? How do you not see the love coming in, in even in the hottie and the naughty? How do you not see <laughs> the love coming? Because coming I wasn't right watching it. <laughs> Man, the, the love is coming at you so yeah. hard in these yeah. rom-coms. It could punch you in the face. That's how hard the love is coming. Ticket to Paradise, Julie Robertson. The love and, is coming. George Cooney. The you love see is coming. It. You see it. In the first five minutes, you're like, uh, it's going to yeah, be them two right there. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we need to change the formula on the, <laughs> on the romantic comedies because none of them are original. I mean, some of them are cuter than others. Notting Hill was very sweet. Uh, Brown Sugar, of course. Love Jones. Very sweet, very sweet, wonderful movie. Very sweet. So, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get us out of here, man. So, Charles, you got anything else before we get out of here, man? Because we got about a minute to go, man. Nah, I think I, I think I'm pretty good. All right, I, man. I, see the power of film. Check it out. See Six the power episodes. of film. Each Do one is about an hour. Madam Each one is Web. about an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Do go to class. Not, go to class. Do not see Madam Web. Do not pass. And, go. and if you you decide to defy us. You go at your own risk. That's hey. all I can tell you. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we suggest things, but, you know, go see for yourself. It's, it's only your money it's, and your It's your time. money. It's your money. You know, I watched a movie recently. I can't remember what it was. I was like, oh, this is the definition of I can't get my hour and a half back. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. Th- they, matter of fact, this movie should be in the, in the dictionary. Of the, I can't get my time back. Yeah, I, hmm. You can't you can't Maxine Waters this thing. You can't reclaim your time if you go see Madam Webb. And it usually happens around this time of the year. Amen. It's February. <laughs> All right, so on behalf of Charles Kirkland, the man behind the glass, the silent one. Sugar Shane Lewis. Man, I'm Tim Gordon, and until next week, man, we out of here, man. Peace. You guys enjoy. Keeping it real. Keeping it real with
wouldn't.